And this is taken right from the book of Psalms. Psalm 136, if you look it up later, you'll see each of the lines we're going to read followed by the repeated line of, for his steadfast love endures forever. And so we would like you to, you to join us in that. Our worship team will lead in that and give you instruction. Uh, and we're going to start with all of us with that responsive line, for his steadfast love endures forever. So when the speaker stops talking, then you say, For his Okay, pretty good. So we'll work, but you have a lot of opportunity to work <laughs> on it for the rest. All right, so Laura will get us started. Again, this is right from Psalm 36. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. For his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights. For his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day. For his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night. For his steadfast love endures forever. Curveball. Now just the ladies. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. For his steadfast love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them. For his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two. For his steadfast love endures forever. And made Israel pass through the midst of it. Okay, another curveball. Men respond. Okay. But overthrew Pharaoh and his, host, and his host in the Red Sea. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings. Steadfast love endures forever. And killed mighty kings. For his steadfast love endures forever. Sion, the king of Amorites. For his steadfast love endures forever. The response on this time is for just the worship team. O Og, king of Basham. For his steadfast love endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage. For his steadfast love endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant. For his steadfast love endures forever. It is he who remembered us in our low estate. For his steadfast love endures forever. And rescued us from our foes. For his steadfast love endures forever. Everyone together quietly. He who gives food to all flesh. For his steadfast love endures forever. Shout it out. Give, Give thanks, thanks to, to the, the Lord, God the God of heaven. His steadfast love endures forever. 
Amen. Good job. Encourage you to look that passage up again. It was Psalm 136, and it was probably done uh, in in uh, at a time where all the people were gathered together. Uh, there was also the time when Israel would gather uh, on two mountains, and it formed a natural amphitheater, and so they could shout these psalms back to himself. Imagine being among hundreds of thousands of people shouting this back to each other. That word, the word steadfast love is a very common word in the Old Testament. It's a Hebrew word, hesed. It's often translated uh, mercy, but it, it, ESV tends to translate it his steadfast love. So uh, it's just another expression of worship uh, for us to respond in that way. Uh, got an announcement and a couple prayer things we're going to do today. Uh, we've been hearing a lot of how people have been listening, been following the Lord, responding to His leading. I think a lot of that comes from our, our Experiencing God series that we did. And so we have a, a, another opportunity and then a reminder for one. Um, but David, where'd David go? He left. He, okay. Okay. Uh, David Rupp is, as you know, we prayed for him last week as our deacon. He is, also has an opportunity to uh, mentor students at Carn City High School. There's a program started with a YMCA, and they, of course, accepted him as part of that. And so he's looking at that as a, as a way to minister, to help families, and also for outreach to have opportunity to tell these students about the Lord. Uh, they still need mentors, apparently. So if that's kind of got your interest going, uh, then, then you're uh, welcome to talk to David and get connected there. There's some training he needs to do. So we wanted to pray for him today. And also for our brother Paul, who's heading out Tuesday uh, for the Air Force and his basic training. So uh, let's pray together. God, I thank you for uh, your people responding in faith to your direction, your leading. God, there's going to be times of, of, of hardship or frustrations with with these things because we live in a fallen world. But God, we acknowledge that you have overcome the world. You have overcome the, the, you overcame the Red Sea. You overcame all those kings we just prayed about and responded about. You overcame uh, the, the grave, Lord Jesus. You are the one who overcomes. And we just simply need to say, yes, Lord, we will follow you. So God, I pray, I pray for David. I pray as he goes and has opportunity to mentor these, uh, these teens, these students, that you would give him words of wisdom. You, Holy Spirit, speak through him and offer up opportunity to present the gospel. And also, Lord, to help them with any practical things, with, with, with homework, with stuff at home, with things that they could just have another adult for whom they could they could connect with and reach out to. And God, Lord, we do pray. We pray for Paul. We pray for his family as this big transition is happening this week for them. We pray that you would go before them and you would just put a blanket of peace about Paul, about, uh, about Lacey, uh, around, around Ty, around Janie, and just keep them, uh, keep your presence so clear to them that they would know that you were with them. And so God, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you. 
uh, we want to hear these things and share them with the whole body. And so, if because we want to know, how can we help you? How can we pray for you? Is there some way the church can come alongside and help you as well? So as, as God's leading you in those things, please share those with us. We would appreciate it. Uh, we are at the last message of the Kingdom Stories. Next week, we're going to start a series called Progress Ma- Practice Makes Progress. I keep switching them around. Uh, and so uh, those will be about how we could walk with God, how we cooperate with the Lord a little bit more. But this is the last one, the last parable we're going to look at. And it's uh, called the parable of the ten virgins because it's about ten virgins. Not, right? um, it's largely about preparation. Now, presumably, Ben Franklin said this phrase. There's some debate whether he said it. If you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. Who's seen that at your office place at some point? I mean, it's, it's one of those posters that you see. If you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. And it just means you got to be ready for things. I remember I used to frustrate my father-in-law when he was with us because he would always know exactly what tools he needed for a project. And I wouldn't. I would just start. I would just get going. And then I'd go to my toolbox. And then, oh, I need this. And I have to go back to my toolbox. And then, and then third, fourth time, I got to And he just watched me and just, son, you should get everything first. It's like, well, if I knew, I could prepare for that. But I, I didn't largely. Um, but we, we're going to see some planners. And we're going to see some failures today in this parable. Now, as we've said in the past, whenever Jesus, not whenever, but the majority of time, if not all the time, it might be close to all, he has a reason to share the particular parable. They're not random, but there's a response. He's teaching them in a response. So we're going to be in Matthew 25. In Matthew 24, he has a long discussion about what theologians call eschatology. It's a lot of syllables. In short, that just means the end times. Matthew 24 is a little bit complicated uh, because there's a lot of debate on whether it's called a double prophecy because Jesus may have been talking about the fall of Jerusalem in A.D. 70 and talking about the end times. And we see this in the Old Testament too. Some, some of the, prophet, the prophecies in the Old Testament would have a, a, what's called a near prophecy and then they would have a far one. A lot of those far ones refer to Jesus himself. So he's talking about being ready. And he warns, what, one, two, three, four times in Matthew 24. He says, no one knows the day or the hour of when he's coming back. I take him literally, I think he means it, that no one knows the day. So, how profitable is it to set the day? Not very. In fact, I've said before, if someone, for example, says, June 1st, this year, watch the skies, here comes Jesus. You know what I know? It's not June 1st. Because no one knows. No one means no one. No one knows the day or the hour. And so, and we've seen tons of people try to make predictions, and they, of course, have passed. So this is actually the second parable. 
that he's going to talk about being ready. So let's look at uh, Matthew 25 now in response. Even though there's a chapter break, he's going right from that discussion of end times and still speaking uh, here. Verse 1, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. Then the foolish took their lamps, and they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom! Come out and to meet him! Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there will be not enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. Now, a lot of cultural things going on here. This parable of all the ones we've done, and we've started this back at the beginning of January, this parable is very unique, but for a very subtle reason. In all the other parables we've looked at, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like. So the kingdom of God is now, but it's also future. Here's where this one's very unique. Did you catch it in the very beginning? He said, then the kingdom of God will be like. He's still talking about the future. He's still talking about his return. And so it, it, it's, when he spoke this, it wasn't at that moment. It wasn't like that yet, but it will be like. Okay? So it's a prophetic parable. Uh, the, the New International Commentary says that this parable is about how the kingdom, will, um, will God's purpose is being worked out when the parousia, or the presence, takes place. So let's talk about these ten virgins. Who are they? What are they doing? Uh, in general, all of them, they had a part to play in the wedding. And a lot of people say, oh, well, these are the bridesmaids. Brides, we all get that, right? Bridesmaids at a wedding. The only trouble is they didn't have bridesmaids back then. And so we, we want to be careful that we don't take our modern understanding of something and transfer it into Scripture. It may not be accurate. Um, so... I, I don't think it's, it's probably not the worst sin, but they, they're not bridesmaids. They're not someone who's going to stand up front at a wedding. But we do see some things. They were, they were likely unmarried teens, and they had a job. They had to escort the groom by torchlight. By torchlight. They all took lamps. And you can go, actually, it's one of the most common artifacts you can find in Israel is an actual lamp, a first century lamp, or even beyond that. They're, they're pretty common. You just have to watch out for uh, phony ones because they are so common. And so you're, you're looking at something, you know, this big. And it had a little handle, and it had a little well for oil, usually olive oil, and a wick. So there wasn't a lot of oil in those, and the oil is probably maybe not the same quality, but you could light it, and you can carry it around. 
And you had to be a little bit careful. You don't want your oil sloshing everywhere. Uh, and of course, maybe even causing a little bit of a fire. So they were, they were waiting for the bridegroom. They were going to light their lamps because it was going to be nighttime and escort him, follow him through this procession to the wedding feast. It was a very festive time. Well, there's two groups. There's, first of all, the, those who were, well, by the way, I should say they're, they're not, there's not a good group and a bad group. There's not good and evil here. This group is either, one group is either wise or they are foolish. They are thoughtful or they're thoughtless. So let's look at the first, the five wise virgins. They also took spare oil because it get, there's not a lot in those lamps. Uh, you don't want them burning. The oil is expensive. You want to be able to control how much oil you're burning. But they did bring a flask. They brought another container so they could refill their lamps. They were thoughtful. They were vigilant. But what about the other five? Well, they neglected to take spare oil. And so the bridegroom was delayed. And again, a lot of people, well, he was delayed because of this. He was delayed because of that. It doesn't tell us why he was delayed. So all we need to know in this case, he was delayed. But it, it took a while, didn't it? I mean, these girls were waiting for a while. And then they all became drowsy. They even slept. So they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting. And then, uh, is he here? And then all of a sudden, there's a big kerfuffle. A, a, a big announcement. He's here. He's here. Everyone get ready. Get ready. They trim their own lamps. Uh, they're, they're not rebuked for their sleepiness. After all, it's late. It's the middle of the night. This is an agrarian society. They're used to going to bed early and waking up early. And so it was late and everyone was likely asleep. The bridegrooms arise, this great cry, this bustle of activity. And they all individually, it's emphatic in that they take care of their own lamps. Each one had their lamp, and they're going to take them. They had to trim them, make sure there's enough wicks sticking out and so forth. And all needed to replenish the oil. Now, the foolish say, hey, give us some oil. But the wise say, if we do that, we're not going to have enough. Go buy some. Now, a lot of people are critical of the wise virgins here. So, well, that's not nice. That's not very giving. But I think it was practical. I think it was practical. If we give you oil, we're all going to run out. That was, that's the impression that you, you get from this. So we all don't want to run out. Uh, it wasn't out of rudeness. Well, here's, here's what happens. Again, it let me, let me just read. Verse 10. And while they were going to buy, that's the, the foolish ones who didn't have oil, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. And here's Jesus' point. Watch, therefore, for you, you know neither the day nor the hour. So the groom, he's showing up. He's getting everyone together. The, the foolish versions, they're out buying oil. Now, remember, this is a parable. So it's a, it's a story to illustrate a point. My, my first question was, well, 
who's open at midnight to sell oil. But don't get caught up in that. You know, maybe they, maybe they had 7-Elevens there or something or, or 24 hours. I don't know. Maybe, but they, they, we don't know. We actually don't even know if they found any oil to purchase. All right? So the wise virgins join the procession. They lead the groom. He gets the, they get to the banquet hall. It is a big, exciting party, wonderful thing. Everyone's so happy. It's a joyous time. They get into the banquet hall and shut the door. They meet him. The wise virgins meet him. This word for meeting uh, is, is a, often replies implies meeting someone important. It's the word apantasis. And a couple times in the New Testament it's used where uh, Luke is writing in Acts 28, 15. He says they, um, they met some of the other brothers, some of the other Christians uh, at, um, at a place called Three Taverns. They met there. But the other one, the other one that is a really significant meeting is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 17. Same word to meet the groom as it is here in Thessalonians. Paul writes, then we who are alive, and he's talking about what we generally call the rapture today, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. It's that same word. And so we'll always be with him. And then in the parable, it finally says the door, as I mentioned, the door is shut. So what happens to these five foolish virgins? They're on the outside looking in. Again, we don't know if they ever found oil. They call to the groom to open the door, but he refuses. I don't know who you are. Were they, you know, were they party crashers? What? You weren't part of the procession. I don't know you. This is a similar phrase that Jesus uses in Matthew chapter 7. Because he says there are going to be people who say, well, gee, I did this in the Lord's name, and I did that in the Lord's name, and I went to church every Sunday, and I even gave money, and I did, they did all these things. I, I helped the poor. And those were good things to do. But Jesus has a, 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 a hair-raising reply to them. He says, I don't know you. I don't know you. Who are you? Because it's one thing just to do good things. It's another thing to know Jesus first and do them in response. His point, as I said, is to be ready. We don't know when he'll return. Now, in these parables, we've seen that they, each of the, some of the characters or the issues have a representation, a real thing uh, as part of the metaphor. The bridegroom is Jesus. He's the central figure. He's the bridegroom in Matthew 9 as well. His arrival, remember, the kingdom of God will be like. This is a future thing. So it's his return. It's his judgment. Well, who are the wise virgins? Well, they're dedicated. They could be dedicated true Christians. They're thinking about the Lord all the time. And obedience and preparing for the groom is their highest priority. That's who the wise virgins were. They all were expecting the groom. But one group said, I'm going to get ready. We're going to get ready. Who were the foolish ones? Well, maybe superficial in their commitment. Their problem was their lack of preparation. One commentary says they failed through thoughtlessness, lack of foresight, 
or irresponsibility to discharge their spiritual obligations. What does the oil represent? I don't know. <laughs> maybe nothing. Uh, a lot of people say, well, it's maybe the Holy Spirit. I, it just, it's not real clear. But the door, on the other hand, we see that closing of a door in Scripture in other places. It, it, is, a, it is an end. It is a stopping point. Uh, there is a division between those who are in and those who are out. When, when Jesus comes back, there's going to be a change in God's plan. Uh, right now, we live in what people describe as a period of grace or a time of grace. That means the door's open. Come on in, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. One day, that door will shut. You saw it at the flood. It's very clear where, uh, I mean, you think it would be an obvious thing to happen, but in Genesis, it's, it, it's very emphatic. And, and God shut and sealed the door of the ark. Done. There are those looking on the, on the outside, looking in. And that period of grace that we live now, again, will end. You saw this with, another time, you saw this with Israel. Because God kept warning them, you need to, you need to straighten up your lives or I'm going to take you out of the land. You need to straighten up your lives or I'm going to take you out of the land. Kept warning and warning. Isaiah, Jeremiah, several other prophets kept warning. You need to straighten up your lives or I will take you out of the land. Till finally, there was, well, there was a couple kings in there that were doing well. And God held back, held back. And then finally there was one, I think, is Jehoiakim or Jehoiachin? I don't remember. So bad that God said, done. Done. We're done. No matter what happens, I'm going to take you out of the land. Temporarily, because he still has to keep his promise to Abraham. Grace ends. The doors shut. The wedding feast, though, in contrast, is a time of celebration, of joy, of excitement, in feasting, it is a blessed, blessed thing to be part of the wedding feast of the Lamb. Well, what, is, what does this parable now mean for us? There's, as we said earlier, predicting Jesus' return is pointless. But it could be any time. It could be by the time we're done today gathering. It could be 500 years from now. I tend to think just from what we see and what's going on in the world today, I'm, I'm expecting it to be in my lifetime. But I don't know, because he said, don't pick a day. So I'm not going to. I'm not even going to pick a series of days. Uh, but we should, on the other hand, prepare. Well, how do we do that? How do we get ready for the capital T Bridegroom, capital B. How do we get ready for him? The bridegroom. Well, first of all, we have to watch. Some, they all expected it, but some actually planned for it. There's tons of different ways we could prepare. We could be preparing. We could be getting oil ready. One is just growing in our faith. Just growing in our faith. 
in, in the, I mentioned our new series, we're going to talk about time in the Word. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about um, Sabbath and resting. We're going to talk about fellowship, all these things that help us grow. We're trying to keep that series very, very practical on how we do that. The, the other thing that is coming up a week from today, we are starting at 8 a.m., and it's open for uh, uh, men and women. We're just calling it simply discipleship. And it's, we're, we're covering several topics. It's, it's not going to be short. It's not going to be just a few weeks. Uh, we're going to start with uh, some teaching on prayer. It will go probably about 10 weeks. And you may have heard me confess this before, but I'll confess it again. I was bored to death with praying. It's like, you're a pastor. I know, but I was bored to death with praying. You know why? Because I didn't follow Jesus' instructions. When he tells us, this is how you pray, I started following those instructions and learning more about it. Now, now it's like you can't stop me because it is so cool to pray the way Jesus taught us to pray. We're going to start with that. We're going to get into things of how to be wise. We're going to get into things about the Holy Spirit and so forth. We're really looking at uh, Acts chapter 6, where you look at the, the men who were called to wait on the tables. They had some qualifications. They had to be wise. They had to be full of the Spirit. They had to be men of prayer and so forth. So we're just saying, all right, well, if, if that's important for believers, let's focus on those. We have room. We have resources. We're going to, again... We're going to start a week from today. If you want to join us, just let me know, and we would be happy to have you come. It's with our life groups. I will say this: our life groups. Sometimes you, yeah, you know, stuff comes up. I'm not able to go, not able to attend, and, and we get that. Uh, want to encourage you. If you want to join us at Sunday morning at eight o'clock, do whatever you can to be here. It's going to be important that we keep that commitment uh, with one another and in our time together. So um, that's where we're going to start. That's a way to prepare for the coming king. We need to be busy doing what he calls us to do. What has Jesus called us to do? Make disciples. Have we ever heard that? So we should be about making disciples, both sharing our faith and grow, helping people grow in that. The, the, in the previous parable that we saw last week, some, you know, remember this is when the king sent out the, the other wedding invitation and said, hey, come on, everything's ready. If you remember, those people were busy doing other things besides the king's business. You know, we, we have to work, we got to take care of our homes, we have things to do, but our primary priority is the king's business. We should be people of prayer in the word. We should be holding loosely the things of the world. Our next song that we're going to be doing here is Let the glory of your name be the passion of the church. Let the glory of your name be the passion of the church. That's a heart issue. And that is being prepared for the king. The other thing to be ready is, is and this is, this is sounding a bit of a warning, 
is to be ready for persecution. Uh, things seem to be changing. Our comforts very well could go to the wayside. We say, well, well, I still follow. We may lose our rights. But we can't lose our rights. We can't. I love my rights. But we may lose them. My, my priority wants to be, and, and it's hard sometimes, I want my priority to be the kingdom of God and not any power here. I did a little wrestling, and if I can see God's kingdom come, but I lose my rights, as much as I love them, I'll lose them. That's getting ready. But rather, if I'm trying to hold on to something that, in the end, in the new heaven and new earth, it's going to be so cool, we're not going to care about our rights. We have so many blessings, we're not going to care about anything else. And I, and I hope that doesn't offend you. But focusing on the value of the kingdom of God. Remember, he's the, it's the pearl of great price. It's where we say, I will give everything up that I might buy this pearl. I will give everything up that I might buy this field with a treasure in it. Everything isn't just our stuff. It's the other resources and the things that we have. We may lose those for the kingdom of God. And while I, won't, I don't want that, I want to be ready. I'm willing to give that up that, the, that as God brings his plan about. It's easier to say that we know Christ than to, or to, to, to say we know Christ than to actually know him. Words don't matter without the actions following, but on the other hand, we have to what did I just read today? Being people, being called to worship before we're called to work. They're both important. I was an A.W. Tozier, if you wanted to know where I got that. We're called to worship before we're called to work. And they're both important. It's not that you're just sitting and sitting on some mountaintop worshiping God all the time and you never work. It means as you grow to love Christ, that work comes out of that. That's what we're looking for. It's not an or, it's, it's an and. Sometimes Christians get so busy doing we're not knowing or they get so busy knowing that we need to get busy being fountains of living water that are spraying on everybody. And finally, Jesus is announcement here, his point is to just watch. Do you ever hear the expression, someone is so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good? Do you ever hear that? You know what? I think the more heavenly minded we are, the more earthly good we are. The more we're in touch with the Lord, the more we're waiting. Boy, if I think, he, I mean, let's just get, let's just play, play the game. He's coming at noon. What are we going to do right now? Well, let's Come on, let's go. We have things to do. If we knew it was noon, well, it could be. Be ready. Be watching. There's people who need to hear. We don't even know who they are. I'm really expecting the groom at any moment. And it has us to be 
busy doing what he wants us to do. In fact, let me read you this parallel parable. Matthew 24, from the previous chapter. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them food for their proper time? Blessed is the servant uh, whom his master finds doing so when he comes. So the parable is, this man goes off on a journey. He leaves servants in charge of his household. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But that wicked servant who says to himself, my master is delayed. Do you, you ever have parents leave on a vacation and the kids trash the house and, you know, and, then, and then mom and dad come back early? Oopsie. I don't know if you've ever had that. It's happened to my, it never happened to me. It happened to my siblings. But they think they're delayed. My master is delayed and he bring, and begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drinks with drunkards. And the master of that servant will come on a day he does not expect him and an hour he does not know. And he will come to pieces and will put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Zion, let's be ready. In fact, let's pray along that lines in our pause and pray time. First of all, you want to just praise him that he's coming back? It's the last promises to be fulfilled. Throughout the scripture, we've seen the promises of the Lord fulfilled, fulfilled. We, and he's going to fulfill this one. He's coming back. And so let's praise him for that. And then maybe there's something specific where you think, you know what, I need to do a better job preparing myself to be like those wise virgins and say, I'm going to prepare for his return by... Fill in the blank. Maybe God spoke to you something specific. And then let's pray for one another. God, that I pray that Zion can prepare by something else. So would you join me in prayer, please? If you'd like to pray out loud, you're welcome to do that. But if not, if you don't want to do that, then pray quietly with us. Let's pray. Mm -hmm. Lord, I can count on you being faithful to your promise uh, because you've been so faithful to all the other promises, to all the other prophecies. And even though, Lord, um, it seems like you are delayed in coming back, we just want to hold fast and trust that you are coming back. And that is a reality that is one to be seen. And so, God, we thank you Mm. run the race that you have set before me, God. I don't want to walk in. I don't want to run on the sidelines. But God, I pray that you would help me to run the race that you set before. And then God, for Zion, that we would be busy. Mm -hmm. God, my heart just aches for those who, who think they're going to be bridesmaids.
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
plan unfold. Lord, praise you to your steadfast love, and, and may it be in all our hearts that it's you are the one who's faithful, and it's you that's going to bring us there, and it's you that we are waiting for, and it's not ourselves. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha, we are anxious. We see the pain and the distress that sin has caused so many people across this world. And Lord, we do not look down our nose at anyone because we too are recipients of your grace and mercy. But we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are faithful and, and you're coming we talk about not you will come back. It's a sure thing. It's as sure as we're standing and sitting here today that you will come back. God, I want to prepare for your return both as a worshiper and as a worker to have that, that growth, that change in me to become to being transformed more and more to the likeness of Jesus and have it spill over to others. And God, we pray for our church, we pray for all of us here, that we would be, we'd be listening, we'd be watching, we'd be supporting those any way we can who are, uh, who are going forward and, and doing things in your name and s those who serve on Sundays and during the week. Oh, Lord God, we want to be busy doing your work when you come back. And thank you, Lord, for showing us. It's not a mystery. We need to love you, love God, make disciples. We need to, to, to grow in our faith. There are so many things you've told us to do. And we thank you for that. In your name, amen. A uh, couple, a few announcements actually. Uh, don't forget the Lenten gatherings. Uh, it will, this week will be at Harvest Church in Petrolia. Uh, and Pastor Floyd Barnhart will be speaking and so I uh, encourage you to join us 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights. 
Uh, the other one is, if you remember way back in November, we did a special um, kingdom offering, and some of that went to uh, Gary Friesen, who's developing pastor training in Rwanda. And specifically, they, are, they wanted to get a library started. And I wanted you to know, and I'll forward, I just got his email this morning, I'll forward it to you, but the library's there. It's, I mean, it's there. They're getting it ready. God has answered all their prayers, all the money they needed, all the books they were praying for. All those were, I mean, we're talking a lot of money and a lot of bucks, and they are there. And so uh, I'll just, I'll forward you Gary's note and want you to remember, we had a part of that. We contributed to that in our kingdom offering. Uh, I also encourage you to pray for me this week. Uh, a few about a month ago, I had a book out. In fact, I think it was maybe at the start of the year, a book on how to pray for your pastor, and many of you took that. So I'm talking specifically to you. I, I don't know who all took it. But if you have that and you've dedicated to pray for me and for Trish and the other pastors, I'm going to be at a prayer retreat Thursday evening and all day Friday and um, also getting some training on that on Saturday. So I'll be in Virginia on those days. And so I appreciate you pray for me that I could hear, listen, and understand uh, that time. Uh, speaking of prayer, uh, I'm, I'm also making this public as well. There are, there are two prayer meetings that I lead during the week. They're, in fact, it's not during the week. They're both on Tuesday. One is on Zoom at 7 a.m. The other is also on Tuesdays at 8 a.m. Uh, you're invited uh, if you want to join the Zoom one, I need to know, give you, send you the link. And we pray for 30, both meetings are 30 minutes. And so some of the other pastors and leaders in our community may be there. Um, so it's 7 a.m. on Zoom and then 8 a.m. face-to-face. But that changes the location. This Tuesday, it will be here. Next, in March, it will be at Martinsburg Church in Bruin. And so we usually, we usually try to plan that about a month in advance. So again, you're, well, you're very welcome to join us for those prayer times as well, 30 minutes. Um, we have Living in Liberty donations. Uh, thank you for those of you who participated with those. And then I don't know if we have a, I didn't ask you yet, Lori, if we had a March items or not. But we'll, we'll let you know uh, what, what we're hoping to, to gather for that. So just wanted to make sure uh, those were there. Are we ready? Let's continue. 